You create your life with the stories you tell yourself. Want more fun, love, and money? Then write your new story and live into it. Louis DiBianco's podcast, Change Your Story, Change Your Life, shows you how to discover your empowering story. You'll meet many successful people who have created magnificent lives, even when the odds were stacked against them. Plus, you'll learn the secrets of great storytelling that can explode your business. And now, here is your host, Louis DiBianco. Hello, storytellers, and welcome to episode 209 of Change Your Story, Change Your Life. Would you pick up a searing hot piece of coal? Would you walk on broken glass barefoot? I'm going to assume that you answered no. I know that maybe there are some individuals who would have answered yes, but you know what? This episode and this podcast is not for them. You wouldn't do those things because they would hurt you. Then why do you entertain negative and self-punishing thoughts? Why do you even embellish them? into stories that hurt you even more. At this point, you're saying, come on, thoughts and hot coals, thoughts and broken glass? Come on, man, get real. This They're not the same. Well, today's episode is going to be mind-blowing. This is not going to be my opinion, it's going to be about the science that supports the thought or the idea that our thoughts are powerful things. They're as powerful as any physical object, like a piece of hot coal, like shards of broken glass, like a gun or a knife or other things that can hurt you. The beautiful thing about thoughts is that they are things that are malleable, that we can transform them from things that can hurt us into things that can empower us. You're probably going to hear a little bit of shuffling of paper in this episode because I've done some research and I want to read to you directly from the sources that back up what I just said. Pay attention. Be present for this. If you're listening to this right now and you're distracted, come back and listen to it again when you're not. Allow it to work on you. Don't do this for me. Do it for yourself. Allow it to work on you. Be open to it. And you will have some resistance to what you're going to hear. But if you allow that resistance to diminish, you allow these things to enter your mind, they can completely change your life for the better. There's a fabulous book. I'm going to mention it a few times in this podcast. 
the intention experiment using your thoughts to change your life and the world. And it's written by a woman I have referred to before in my podcasts, Lynn McTaggart. And what's interesting about this author is that she's not some pie-in-the-sky, woo-woo, stare-at-your-navel kind of person. No. She comes from the world of hard-nosed investigative journalism, where she was used to dealing with violence, deception, lies, uh, all sorts of really dark stuff in the world in her work to investigate and get to the truth. So she was well armored in her mind to deal with any nonsense. And then she had an experience that you can read about in a book, an earlier book of hers called The Field, where she began to discover that the world isn't the what is the world isn't what it seems to be and that reality is not what we may think it is here's a direct quote i'm going to be reading now from the book the intention experiment a sizable body of research exploring the nature of consciousness carried on for more than 30 years in prestigious scientific institutions around the world, shows that thoughts are capable of affecting everything, from the simplest machines to the most complex living beings. This evidence suggests that human thoughts and intentions are an actual, physical, something, with astonishing power to change our world. Every thought we have is tangible energy with the power to transform. A thought is not only a thing, a thought is a thing that influences other things. Some of that wording was paraphrased. I paraphrased toward the end, but I did not alter the essence of what she wrote. Think about this. This is just absolutely amazing. Thoughts can affect physical things. How about our bodies? Our thoughts affect our bodies. And if they're damaging thoughts, guess what they're doing to our bodies? Right. Not nice things. But if they're empowering thoughts, they are strengthening our bodies, they are strengthening our immune systems, they even affect the aging process. Let's look at a couple of examples again from the book. And these examples were taken from the scientific studies that have been done. In one study, college students deeply in love were shown pictures of their sweeties, and their brains became more active in the caudate nucleus, a reward center, giving them that in-love swoon. When they stopped looking at the pictures, 
their reward centers went back to sleep. You get that? Wow. The thoughts about their loved ones actually activated a portion of their brains, physically activated their brains. And then when they stopped thinking about the loved ones, that center became dormant again. How about this one? The longer someone had been driving a taxi, the larger their hippocampus, a part of the brain involved in visual spatial memory. Their brains literally expanded to accommodate the cognitive demands of navigating London's tangle of streets. Research has also proven the numerous benefits of meditation for your brain and shown that meditation produces measurable results from changes in gray matter volume to reduced activity in the me centers of the brain to enhance connectivity between brain regions. I'm going to continue from the book. Your biology doesn't spell your destiny, and you aren't controlled by your genetic makeup. Instead, your genetic activity is largely determined by your thoughts, attitudes, and perceptions. Epigenetics is showing that your perceptions and thoughts control your biology, which places you in the driver's seat. By changing your thoughts, you can influence and shape your own genetic readout. Wow. This reminds me of a funny story. A true story happened to me. I was at a personal development event in Las Vegas. And one evening... After the event had shut down for the day, I was in a very, very active bar in the hotel. Uh, It was swarming with people. It was really a fun place to be. And I was meeting all sorts of new people and having interesting conversations. And I started to have conversations with a father and son team. And we were having great conversations. And at one point, I shared with them this information that I had learned from my reading, that we can affect our genetic makeup. I was talking to the son. I told him that. His attitude toward me immediately changed. He physically moved away from me. And when I started talking to him again, he sent me a message not verbally, but definitely a powerful, energetic message of get away from me, um, you're nuts, and I don't want to talk to you anymore. I said it was a funny story. It was funny because I understood what was going on. I didn't take it seriously. It didn't crush me. But that's how resistant we are to this information that is actually proven by science. And so, we have to ask, if it has been proven by science, why don't 
Why doesn't most of the world accept it? And why do we, and that even includes me, and I'm working on my consciousness, why do we resist this very, very strongly? Well, the quick answer is fear. Accepting this information explodes our notions of who we are and what the world is. I mean, how big is this? This is as big as the discovery that the world was round and not flat. You think people just said, okay, we'll accept that. Hell no. They resisted it. Or when the discovery was made that, you know what? The earth is not the center of the universe. It's the sun. Not only was there resistance, there was, well, they wanted to burn people at the stake. It was considered heresy today. It's just scientific fact. So now, let's take a look at some of the science, the history of the science behind these beliefs, behind the beliefs that we still hold today about ourselves and about the world and about thoughts, beliefs that are no longer true, beliefs that cause us to create stories that definitely don't help our lives. I'm just going to be giving you some important landmarks in history. I encourage you, if this excites you and you're interested in it, and you want to continue to grow and learn, to do your own reading, your own research. Let's begin with Sir Isaac Newton, physicist, 1687. You see, Newton gave us, in physics, the view of the world that we hold pretty much today. The view of the world that says that matter is solid and unchanging. That we exist independently of matter. The physical, real world is outside of us. And no matter what we think or wish or do internally, that external world of matter and reality remains fixed and unchanging. That is a a superficial but accurate description of the idea that Isaac Newton gave us, and it's the idea, think about it, 1687, 17th century, today is... The tw- we're in the 21st century, 2019, but our views, our beliefs are still, well, they're still rooted in Newton's views. We're slaves to 17th century thinking. You see, I had to pause for a moment just because <laughs> these things are so amazing and I'm collecting my thoughts to remain clear for you. So, 
what happened to undermine Isaac Newton's view of the world? Let's jump to 1941, 20th century, to Copenhagen and to a historic meeting in September, between September 15th and the 21st, in Copenhagen, 1941, between Niels Bohr and Werner Heisenberg, a Danish and a German physicist. They made some fascinating discoveries that literally exploded our views of the world. And the people who now study and believe in um, quantum physics get this. But there are still many, many scientists who resist this. So what did they teach us? They taught us that matter is not solid. That matter and the physical world is actually malleable. So let's do a quick recap of Isaac Newton. He wrote a book called Principia, Principia, 1687. Things exist independently of each other. The only way to influence or change matter is to do something physical to it, basically, to heat it, burn it, freeze it, smash it, etc. Okay, now that view is the lens through which most people see the world. But Niels Bohr and Werner Heisenberg discovered that matter is not, that atoms are not little solar systems like of, of billiard balls. They're not solid and unchanging. Rather, atoms are tiny clouds of possibilities. I'm going to say that again. Atoms are tiny clouds of possibilities. They exist only as a potential of any of their future selves. So, if they're only potential, how do they manifest into one of those future selves? You ready for this? By interacting with human consciousness. By interacting with human consciousness, they take on meaning when we observe them. Our observation, our thoughts, influence and shape reality. Now, some of you might shut down at this point. That's pretty wild, isn't it? It's right out of science fiction. But hey, you don't have to look too far today to recognize that the world that we are living in is starting to look more and more like the world we've seen and are seeing in science fiction movies. Let's go on with this fascinating exploration. I'm fascinated. I'm going to assume that some of you are as well. You know, look up this experiment that was done. It's a famous one with water. They froze water and they had people be near these different containers of water, I believe glasses of frozen water, and to 
think really harmonious thoughts only. Thoughts that were gentle, that were loving, that were giving, positive, feel-good kind of thoughts. And then they had another group of people think angry, violent, hateful thoughts near these glasses of water, other glasses of water. And they discovered that crystals formed and the ones that formed in the glasses that were surrounded by loving thoughts had beautiful, beautiful shapes and patterns. They were, they reflected the harmony of the thoughts. And guess what? The crystals that formed, the patterns were jagged. The the ones that were exposed to uh, hateful thoughts, negative and violent thoughts, the crystals were actually jagged and um, distorted. They were like misshapen. They weren't pretty by our standards of what pretty and ugly are. Fascinating stuff. Are thoughts affecting matter? Well, if that's the case, let's go back to a physical thing, matter, the human body. You can put this to the test. When you're lying in bed at night or even in the morning when you wake up, what happens in your body when you have uh, a very, very anxious or fearful thought or an angry thought? What happens physically? I know what happens to me. I feel a tightness especially in my legs and in my feet. I actually feel the nerve centers in my feet begin to, it's like they're shutting down. Uh, It's like my, my, my toes are holding on. They're gripping to stay safe. They're not letting go. They're not just easing out. You know, when you do a, a relaxation exercise, a guided relaxation, the person leading it will just will talk you through releasing the tension in your body. Will you mentally do that? Practice it. Try it. So if you're having an uh, anxious thoughts and fearful and angry thoughts, they're like physical objects, needles or even knives that are they're prodding your body. They're hurting your body. And when you make the effort to change those thoughts to thoughts that are harmonious, loving, thoughts that are peaceful, thoughts that are inviting, our body starts to have a different chemical reaction and we feel good. We physically feel good. That my friends, I believe, is the nature of most disease. And doctors will resist this. They'll say, no, 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 you know. Disease is caused by, and they'll give you a physical reason for it. They ignore because they think that the mind and the body are separate. They're not. Now, again, some of you may be saying, well, how does this relate to storytelling? It has everything to do to, with it. Because the view that we have of the world, whichever one we choose, 
is a story. Our beliefs are stories. And those stories are affecting the reality that we are experiencing. We're actually creating the world. That's how powerful we are. We're creating the world. Our world and the world that we share with other human beings. Interestingly enough, the view of our thoughts, our consciousness, being separate from the physical world, again, has its roots in the 17th century. René Descartes, philosopher who gave us the idea that the mind is separate and somehow different from matter, consciousness is entirely generated by the brain and remains locked up in the skull. That's pretty wild. Well, it's pretty common. That's what most of us, we believe that by default. And even if we're drawn to the thought that, hey, you know, maybe our thoughts can affect our lives, our bodies, and the physical world, I'll bet that there's still a lot of skepticism and there's a the monkey mind, the chatter comes in and says, yeah, yeah, okay. It's wishful thinking. It's fun. You want to indulge in that fantasy, go right ahead. But at the end of the day, it's just, you know, it's just an illusion. It's not real. You got to come back to reality. And holding on to that thought will shrink your possibilities. So, We've seen the 17th century affecting the view of the world, our view of the world, and our view of consciousness. So if consciousness can affect reality, can actually change it, mold it, how do we harness that power? And the one word that describes that force, that power, is intention. Here's a definition of intention that's useful. Intention is a purposeful plan to perform an action that will lead to a desired outcome. So you've heard all, all of you have heard about visualization. Some of you hopefully are practicing it. When you sit down and you visualize what you want, not what you think you can have, but what you want. You write it down on paper and you say, like you can do this at the beginning of a day, people like Hal Elrod, who wrote the book Miracle Morning, sets his intention for the day every single morning. And that means at the beginning of the day, you begin with the end in mind. You look and you say, okay, this is what I want to happen today. This is what I want to accomplish today. And then you write that down. You hold the belief that you're going to accomplish that, that you're going to make that thought a reality. And you choose a series of specific actions that you will perform to make that happen. See, it's not enough to say, I set the intention And then I do nothing. It's going to come to me. That is a mistaken application of the law of attraction. But the real scientific application of it is that you 
visualize it so that you can see it. Because without that visual, it's the equivalent of going on a journey to a place you've never been without a map, without a GPS guiding you. If you don't know where you're going, <laughs> where how are you going to get there? Is it simple as that? So you can begin to influence the results in your life. And this is story creation. You create the story, the picture of the world that you want. You're going to have to do battle with the thoughts that are going to spontaneously pop up from your conditioning, from that 17th century conditioning. And they're going to bombard you along the way. They're going to tell you, you know, you're crazy. You can't do this. Get real, blah, 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 blah. And many people will cave in and they'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm an adult. I'm grown up. I'm going to be real. And they're going to give up their dream. They're not going to pursue their intention. Hey, don't beat yourself up if you do that. Guess what? I weaken and do that too. I get back in the game. That's what's important. But I do that too because I'm not beyond the conditioning. Lynn McTaggart talks in her book, her book about intention. She gives us an image right out of comic books. Picture a superhero. Picture yourself as a superhero. And you're standing on a railroad track. And there's a speeding locomotive approaching you. And you focus, laser focus your thoughts and your intention to stop that train. And you stand there and just before it arrives to crush you, it just screeches to a halt. Of course, I wouldn't try that today. I would begin with um, smaller intentions. But that kind of image, which is a wild leap of the imagination, is an expression of the power, the true power of consciousness. We know that thoughts affect things, that you people can bend spoons with thought. They can do other amazing things that defy our sense of reality with thought affecting the physical world. So the example of the superhero stopping the train is a very, very huge one, larger than life. Is it in the realm of potential possibility? I would say yes. I wouldn't try it today because, well, when you develop physical muscles... You've got to develop them in stages. So if you're developing your biceps and they're strong, it doesn't mean that right now you could go out and pick up a car. But it is interesting. There are documented cases of human beings who in situations of dire emergency like a mother and child and, a, and suddenly the child gets pinned under a, an, a a car that the mother, without thinking, lifts that car 
physically lifts it. She doesn't think about it. She just does it. The energy is there to free and save the child's life. Wow. That's how powerful we are. Let's do a quick recap. Our thinking about the world and about our our consciousness is rooted in the 17th century. Our view of the world, Sir Isaac Newton. That was exploded by two other physicists, Niels Bohr and Werner Heisenberg. They gave us the, the notion that matter is not solid. And there's a lot of study since then that backs that up. And our view of our thoughts as being very limited and being separate from the world and not having any power over it, again from the 17th century from Rene Descartes, but all of the thoughts on consciousness that are being supported now by the discoveries in uh, physics, in quantum physics, show us that our Our thoughts are things that can physically affect the world. For us right now, the best place to start is in our immediate lives. I would start experimenting with changing your thoughts to affect your physical body, your body. Thoughts that create a wholesome chemistry, that create feelings that actually strengthen and nurture your health rather than wear you down, exhaust you, and make you ill. Also, begin to set small intentions for positive things that you wish to accomplish in the world. And then build your belief and start getting more bold with the intentions and your reality creation as you move on. And one last note about resistance. We all resist change because change is scary. In order for us to change, we've got to give up what seems to hold our lives and our world together. I think at the root of it is also that we don't want to look foolish. Because, you know, imagine when people slowly began to say, you know what, the sun is the center of the universe. Mm Mm-mm. And everybody around them was saying, you're nuts. Most people don't want to be considered nuts. So they'd rather not hold that belief. They want to be supported by the mass. But sometimes being supported by the mass means limiting your potential. You know, it's called conformity. The nonconformists take risks. They're not afraid to be looked at as foolish, and they create tremendous joy, success, excitement, adventure in their lives. The books that you should definitely be looking at, and again, take advantage of the offer from our sponsor, Audible. You can download an audiobook of your choice absolutely free by going to www.audible.com audibletrial.com forward slash story power Lynn McTaggart The Field Lynn McTaggart The Intention Experiment 
using your thoughts to change your life and the world. Also, The Power of Intention by Dr. Wayne Dyer. Very, very powerful book. And of course, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which has become a Bible for the personal development movement. It's exactly what this is all about. You think it, you visualize it, you mastermind with other people who believe it, you believe it first, and then you will see it and create it. And I'm going to bring this to a close with a quote from Albert Einstein. A human being is part of the whole called by us universe, a part limited in time and space. He experiences himself, his thoughts and feelings, as something separate from the rest, a kind of optical delusion of his consciousness. Albert Einstein said that. I didn't. I just read it for you. Use that quote to strengthen your belief in the question that will transform you. That question, how can I change my story and change my life? Tune in to the next episode of Louis DiBianco's podcast. Become unstoppable as you learn to change your story, change your life.